0: Hey, if you have your Bible today, I invite you to go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Uh, We are going to take a break from our sermon series uh, right now. We've uh, finished up with the Christmas series that we were in, and we'll go into a series uh, starting next week. About the church, but I just want to do a little bit of a one off today that I feel like God has put on my heart. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Jesus here is with his disciples. It's at the Last Supper, and he talks to them, and it's kind of this extended talk. He talks about several different things, but here in John 15, he talks about what the relationship looks like between him and his disciples after he's gone. So follow with me here, again, this is in your Bible app too if you want to follow along there or the outlines uh, in your printed bulletin as well. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, this is what it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. like a branch and withers and branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. We're going to talk about this and what this means for our lives today, specifically in a new year. Before we do that, though, would you just go before the Lord in prayer with me? Father, again, we thank you so much for your good and your perfect word. And I pray that, uh, Father, whatever you have for us in it, in this portion of your work, Father, that you would just soften our hearts to it now. That you would lead us, Holy Spirit, and conform us to your image. That we would be more like you when we leave this place than when we came in. That we could go back to our homes and in our workplaces tomorrow and glorify you with everything that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Have you ever felt like you've just been spinning your wheels? Uh, Maybe in 2022, I know this is 2023, but maybe a year ago, January 1st, 2022, you said, this is the year for you. Uh, You're going to get in shape. You're going to lose the weight. You're going to get the finances under control. Your marriage is going to be perfect. You're going to have a perfect relationship with your kids. You're going to move into a brand new house and you're going to get a new job. And then it's 23 and you're saying, i did about one percent of that if you're lucky right i mean that's just what we all know the statistics about new year's resolutions They don't stick, like 99.9% of them are done by like January 1st today, right? I mean, it's just horrible statistics, right? And you ever feel like in life you're just spinning your wheels? Like, you're like, man, I want to get my finances in order, but it just seems like we have a car break or down or, you know, the washer's down, so we got to replace that. Or, you know, maybe for you, you're saying, man, in work I I just cannot move up. I'm just kind of spinning my wheels here. Maybe you're saying in your relationship with your kids or your spouse— You just cannot get there. And you're saying, man, I don't know what is going on. I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Here in John chapter 15, Jesus gives us a picture of what it looks like to have a relationship with Him. And He says this in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, when people back then would have heard that, this specific word for vine in Greek that Jesus is saying, it's a grapevine. People would have understood this and said, okay, I get what Jesus is saying. Here's a grapevine. I am not a grape farmer. Uh, I don't know. Can you grow them in Indiana? Is anyone a farmer or a, a, a gardener? I'm getting maybes. Okay, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, here's what I have found out, uh, found out from a little bit of research Grape farming ain't easy, okay? It takes a long time. It's a long-term game, right? Like, you got to grow these things, and there's vines, and you got to build certain things so that they can grow up things. And it apparently is very difficult. It takes a lot of active management behind it. Uh, You have to have very specific conditions to grow these things. And so Jesus, when he's saying this, they would have understood this, though, because in the Mediterranean climate, they would have been able to grow uh, grapes pretty easily, but it's still active work. It's still hard work to grow these things. The other thing that they would have understood about this is that grapes are delicious, right? Anybody love grapes? I, as a kid, for some, whatever reason, I'll just eat bowls and bowls of grapes when I was a kid. I, I love them. They're basically like candy, right? I mean, it's like the size of candy, and you don't even have to unwrap it, like the fun size. You ever, like, after Halloween, okay, sometimes I eat my kid's Halloween candy, okay. I, I know it is what it is. After Halloween, sometimes you just eat the candy. I, parents out there are laughing right now. You all do it, okay? But you eat the fun size and then it's just so easy. Whoop, whoop open up another one. Oh, whoop, whoop, open up another one, right? With grapes. There's not even the wrapper. You could it's just it's pick it off the vine and you just go for it, right? They're 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 great. And back then they don't have like the refined sugar like we have today, right? I mean this is really their version of like candy that they have. This is I mean, this is choice fruit right i mean think about like the old uh, egyptian pharaohs right the picture that you get like old old movies and stuff right they got like the palm branches are waving to fan them they've got like a, a guy like dropping grapes into their mouth right i mean this is the choice fruit and jesus is saying hey as my disciples as my disciples this is the picture i want to give you because you are going to bear the best fruit out there you're going to bear this amazing fruit, but it's a very specific way that you're going to go about this. And if you feel like you're just spinning your wheels today, and you're feeling like, man, it's another year, it's another year, and I guess we'll make the resolutions and probably not keep them like everybody else. But it, you know, it is what it is. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels today, I want you to ask yourself a few questions from what Jesus says here. I've got seven questions. Specifically out of what Jesus says here, this picture that he gives us of him being the vine and us being the branches and bearing fruit through him, getting our nutrients through him, getting the photosynthesis or whatever it is. I'm not a botanist or biologist, but however that works, it's that connection that he has with us. And that's the way that we go out and we bear fruit. I want to ask yourself seven questions before you move on. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels here. The first one comes out of verse 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says this over and over. He makes it very clear. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, look at this, you could do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go out and do a job and you can't go out and earn some money and get a car and get a house. Right? Look, we all know people who don't follow the Lord and they can accomplish some things. But what Jesus is saying here is you can't accomplish anything of eternal value without me. Because everything of non-eternal value is going to cease with this world, right? It's going to rot away. You can get the best car, you get the best house. Eventually, that thing's going to get bulldozed. Eventually, that thing's going to go into a junkyard. And Jesus says, yeah, but there are certain things that last. But without me, you cannot do those things that last. First question that I think we should ask ourselves is, how is my relationship with God? Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Ask yourself, How is my relationship with the Lord? Have I been spending time in prayer? Have I been spending time in his word? Jesus says here that you have already been made clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He puts a very high emphasis on his word. And as Christians, as people who are following Jesus, we should also be in his word, that we should be constantly following after him. Jesus says this in Luke 10, 27. You shall love the Lord your God with some of your Sunday mornings. No, that's not what he says. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. James 4, 8 puts it like this. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you get this picture of what scripture paints for us? That we have this tight connection with the Lord. In fact john 17 3 jesus says this he says this is eternal life this is a verse that we looked at in our last sermon series too but he says this is eternal life that you know the only true god and jesus christ whom whom you have sent this is eternal life it's not just waiting for heaven someday eternal life is here now and it means knowing jesus it means knowing god it's having this relationship with him let's go back to john chapter 15. Jesus says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. After you ask yourself, okay, how's my relationship with God? I want you to ask yourself this. Have I been keeping God's commands? Is there any active sin in my life? Because sin will constantly separate us from the Lord. It will separate us, and that's why we need Jesus' sacrifice to connect us. But that involves going to him constantly and building up that relationship. Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He also says this, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Him. First John puts it like this: By this we know that we love the children, that we uh, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Look at this: For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Do you get this idea that Jesus is painting here? He's saying, Hey, listen, um, you can't follow after me and not keep my word. You can't follow after me and then say, you know what, I'm just going to go live my life however I want, uh, however I see fit, however I think is best. Jesus says, no, 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 if you're going to follow after me, there's some there, there's some standards here, there's some requirements that I have for you. And 1 John puts it so well because he says the commandments aren't burdensome. Have you ever met a Christian that kind of walks around like Eeyore? Well, I can't go have fun with my friends because I'm a Christian. No. You know what? I'm just gonna go sit at home and sit in front of a corner and do nothing because I'm a Christian, right? And you're like, this is, this is not the way that God made this. This isn't burdensome. This isn't like, well, I guess I can't do that because I'm a Christian. No, this is like saying, hey, I'm in love with Christ, and so because of this relationship that I have with God, He's working in me, He's working through me, and now I don't want to go do those things that are ums. Hey, I, I I don't which Cling so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It gives us this picture of running the race. Um, I am not a runner, um, exhibit A. You can you probably tell that, right? Uh, but I've heard from runners that clothing really matters. That you got to wear lightweight clothing, uh, synthetic material, I guess, is really important. Uh, but they'll they'll spend extra money just on a piece of clothing that weighs like half an ounce less. Why? So they can get that competitive edge. So there's nothing holding them back. And as Christians, this is the picture that God gives us for running the race. He says, hey, listen, get rid of that extra ounce of sin. Get rid of that temptation in your life because you're running the race that's before you. Get rid of that sin which clings so closely. Ask yourself, how's my relationship with God? Have I been keeping his commands? Let's go back to John chapter 15. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He gives us this picture. I mean, could you imagine that a branch off of a grapevine would just go off, and what's it going to do? Bear a bunch of grapes? No, it's going to wither, right? And Jesus tells us they, get, they wither, and they're gathered, and they're burned. And so he's saying, hey, listen, this is the picture that I want for the relationship with you, that you're abiding within me, and then you can bear fruit. In other words, nobody's going to plant this grapevine for the leaves. Nobody's going to plant it for the wood that it can produce. Nobody's going to plant it because it looks overly nice, right? There's other plants that you can plant that would do that. You're going to plant a grapevine. Why? Why? To get grapes, right? Like, there's a purpose behind this. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if you want to bear fruit, that's the whole purpose behind this plant. If you want to bear fruit, you got to stick with me. And there's a purpose behind this. I, ask you, I want you to ask yourself a question. What's my purpose behind what I'm doing? What's my purpose? Because oftentimes, uh, when we ask ourselves that, we can find that, man, my purpose was about these leaves God's purpose is about this fruit. God's purpose is maybe different than my purpose. And so we need to do what Romans chapter 12 says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We can have a lot of plans and we can have, man, I, I want to do this and I want to go there and I want to have uh, this piece of equipment, this boat or this fun toy and I, I'm going to go do this with it and listen, but we got to seek after what God wants for us. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You see this picture that God is giving to us, that we are purpose driven here, that we are doing what he wants us to do, as he says in Matthew six thirty-three. but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's the good thing about it, too. Psalm 138 tells us this, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The job that he started, the purpose that he started within you, he's not finished with yet. And he's faithful to finish that purpose. You may be feeling like, man, today I'm just spinning my wheels and nothing is working the way that I want it to work. Maybe that's because the job's not done. Maybe that's because you're still running that race. Keep going at it. I want to go back to John chapter 15. It says this, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Okay, so he gives us two different examples of branches, right? One that abides within him and one that is well withering, gathered, and burned. I want you to ask yourself this. If you continue living your life the way that you live your life, in other words, the trajectory of your life, what does that look like? Ask yourself, what is the trajectory of my life? Am I the branch that eventually is going to be disconnected from the vine, withered up, gathered, and burned? Or am I the branch that is abiding in the vine, and now I get to bear fruit, the choicest fruit, the best fruit out there? And if you're wondering to yourself, like, okay, what does that actually look like? What does that look like for a Christian to bear fruit? Paul writes in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So ask yourself, hey, am I, if I continue living my life the way that I have lived it, do I, am I going to bear this type of fruit? Or am I becoming envious? Am I becoming obsessed with gossip? Am I becoming a liar? Or do I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Hebrews ten twenty six says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What is the path of your life? If you continue to live it how you have lived it so far, what is the trajectory of your life? Are you showing up to church and kind of living this, oh, you know, I I show up to church and uh, kind of live a spiritual life? Are you truly living after God, what He wants for you, as Jesus says in John 14, 6, that He's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him? And here's the thing about grapevines, as I said earlier. It's a long-term game. It takes a long time to bear fruit, and it takes a long time to continue bearing fruit, with grapes. Sometimes we just need to hold in there. Sometimes there's some slow seasons of life. There's going to be those winters with the grapevines, right? And they're just going to kind of stay stagnant for a little bit, but those seasons are important for them to continue to bear fruit in the next season. Maybe we need to take hold of what uh, Paul writes to the church in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, We will reap if we do not give up. The trajectory of your life might be really good. This season might just be slow for you. So ask yourself, what's the trajectory of my life? Okay, that's four questions for you. I'm going to buzz through the last three before we uh, run out of time here this morning. John 15, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, look at this, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. I've heard that with uh, grapevines and uh, with other plants as well, uh, fruit trees, even rose bushes. If you have those in your yard, I'm not a gardener. I think it's kind of a waste of time. But we're gonna try it this spring because that's what Midwesterners do, right? Everyone shaking their head, yeah got to grow a garden, right? That'd just be wasteful not to uh, spend $400 to get 50 cents worth of produce in my yard, right? Okay, so that's just wasteful. We have to do that, but um, I I, I am not, but what what I've heard from other people is that pruning is really important and that uh, the best, most fruitful plants, the the best plants that are going to produce the most actually look a little bit straggly, because you have to prune them, and you have to clip off the branches, and you have to clip off the parts of the plant that are not doing what they should be doing. Because in other words, uh, or in, uh, otherwise, the plant is going to divert resources to all of the wrong parts of the plant, where if you cut those parts off, the, the plant can uh, put the resources, all the nutrients, all that stuff into the fruit and bearing what you actually want it, whether it be the fruit or the, the flower, the look of the tree or w- w- whatever it might be. Jesus gives this picture. And back then, they would have known all these things. Uh, they would have been familiar with this. And he says, hey, listen, you're going to produce fruit, and that's great. But in order to produce the most fruit, you got to be pruned. And there's going to be parts of your life where God says, hey, listen, we're going to prune that off. And it's good for you, and it's good because you're going to continue to produce the most amount of fruit there. I want you to ask yourself a question. If you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, ask yourself, could God be pruning me? If there's constantly things in your life where you're saying, man, that just, for some reason it didn't work out, or for some reason that, that thing I, I was pursuing, whether it be... kind of a side hustle job or a a project, it just fell flat on its face and it it just didn't work. Maybe that's just simply God saying, nope, we're not doing that. I didn't call you to that, we're pruning you off here. Or, you know what, that branch is okay, right? It it could produce some fruit, but not the most amount of fruit. And so we're going to prune it off there. Could God be pruning parts of your life? And listen, there's two attitudes that you could have behind this. You could have an attitude of, oh, come on, I worked so hard to grow that, right? I worked so hard on that project. I worked so hard on that side hustle here. I worked so hard on doing this. And then God just shut the door on it. And that really stinks. Or you could have an attitude like what Proverbs chapter 3 talks about. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, uh, sorry, as a father, the son in whom he delights. If God delights in you, this means this, he's going to discipline you and he's going to prune you. There's going to be parts of your life that are going to be pruned and that's a good thing. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous, and repent. Hebrews chapter 12 puts discipline like this. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Ask yourself simply this, is God pruning part of my life? Two more things I want to point out to you. In verse 11 in John chapter 15, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be full in you and that your joy may be full. So he paints this picture of, okay, you're you're remaining in me and so you're going to bear fruit. And then comes the fullness of joy. I want you to ask yourself a simple question. What is my source of joy? What is my source of joy? of joy? Is it running after my own things? Is it uh, pursuing what I want to have my life look like? Is it pursuing all the fun things and all the vacations and the careers? Is it pursuing those things or is it pursuing what God wants for my life? Because there's all sorts of things that can make you happy in life momentarily, right? You put a nice hamburger in front of me, I'm going to be pretty happy, right? I mean, exhibit A again, right? Okay, we get it, okay? But Jesus is saying, hey, there's something better out there. I have given you this. I have given you this picture that you may be joyful. Some of the most miserable people that I know are really, really cranky Christians. And they've missed out on God's joy. Um, There's a quote that I came across Uh, this week, and I'm usually not a big quote guy, but this commentator just, I think, put it perfectly. He said, No one is more miserable than the Christian who for a time hedges in his obedience. He does not love sin enough to enjoy its pleasure and does not love Christ enough to relish holiness. He perceives that his rebellion is iniquitous, but obedience seems distasteful. He does not feel at home any longer in the world, but his memory of his past associations and the tantalizing lyrics of his old music prevent him from singing with the saints. He is a man most to be pitied. He cannot forever remain ambivalent. You get this picture that he's saying here? He's saying, hey, listen, to have fullness of joy, it means remaining in Christ. Uh, when I read this uh, quote, it reminded me of Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is that picture that we get of a Christian who's trying to pursue joy in all sorts of different aspects of their life. And I I, I want to be just really clear here, those things aren't wrong. Chasing after the careers or having a nice vacation, those things aren't wrong. But where do we get our joy from? Because the moment that we get our joy from earthly things like that, is the moment that we become really, really miserable because those things ultimately don't fulfill. You take the best vacation in the world and you come home, let's say you take a month away. You come home in a month and you know where you're back at, back at home, and all the problems are still there back at home, right? And you get tired just as easily and you go, man, I need another vacation, right? Or maybe I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Like, this is just tiring to do these things. but. Jesus is saying, no, 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 the joy is in me. And so even when we hit uh, trials of various kinds, as James 1, 2 says, we can count it all as joy. We can count it joyful when bad things happen, when we get a bad report from the doctor, when we get rough times in our relationships, when our career doesn't work out like we think it will. We can still count that as joy. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I love that verse. Because Jesus says, hey, with me there is fullness of joy. One more thing I want to point out to you uh, from John chapter 15 uh, uh, this morning. In verse 12 he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Last thing I want you to ask yourself, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels this morning, whatever aspect of your life, whatever aspect of your life that you feel like that, is how have I been treating others? Because again, God paints this picture and he says, if you're going to love me, if you're going to follow after me, if you're going to be a Christian, awesome, but it involves being connected with me and it involves loving others. Whenever Jesus is asked, he says, look at this. You shall love the Lord your, heart, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. It's a connected. You can't love God and go out and hate others and treat everybody like a jerk. It doesn't work like that. It's connected. It's loving God and it's loving others. John 13 puts it like this. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. First Peter 4.8 simply puts it like this, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels this morning, ask yourself these seven questions. How's my relationship with God doing? Am I spending time with Him in the Word? Am I spending time with Him in prayer? Am I thinking about Him throughout the day and what He wants for me? Or am I focused on earthly tasks? And ask yourself, hey, have I been following God's commands? Have I have active sin in my life? Is there something that he's called me away from time after time after time after time? And I've just refused to get a hold of it? And ask yourself, what's your purpose behind what you're doing? Whatever it is, whatever it feel like you're spinning your wheels in, what's my purpose behind this in the first place? Is this something that God has for me? Is this something I should be seeking after? Or is it something that, man, maybe He just wants to prune from my life? Maybe He doesn't want me even uh, seeking after that. Maybe this is just an area of my life where He's saying, hey, let's get it out. And then what's your trajectory? What is it? Where, where are you going if you continue living your life the way that you have been? And then simply this, where's your source of joy And how are you treating others? Ask yourself those simple seven questions, whatever it is. Spend some time with it this afternoon. Spend some time with it this week. Ask yourself those seven simple questions. And God's going to do some amazing work in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you so much for everything you've done for us. God, as we have taken a look at this picture that you have given to us, I just, I pray that you would help us to take this seriously. That we wouldn't live our life in a way that would be contradictory to what you have told us to and how you have told us to live our lives. But Father, that we would have fullness of joy. That we would live our lives in a way you've painted this picture, that we're connected with you, Jesus, as the branch is connected to the vine, so we are connected with you. Help us to do that even when it's hard. Help us to do that even when we don't feel like it. Even when life doesn't go how we would like it to or how we thought it would. Father, would you help us to live connected with you? that our joy may be full. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.